HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're telling the stories behind iconic dishes. We learn what it will take to save New York's most famous egg cream, discover the importance of the goat neck in the East Village, and take a trip to India for delicious flatbreads. Our customers who come in to get egg creams and t-shirts, they love to talk about their childhood or their teenage years or their college years. I was living in uh, Nepal in northern India. And out there, there's a real famous dish, a classic dish, I should say, is called paya. Parathe Wali Gali, or as it awkwardly translates in English, the lane of the stuffed flatbread makers, is probably one of the most popular food streets in Old Delhi. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is a special show. We're out in Long Island. We're in Southernport, Long Island. Our good buddy Paul has opened up Blind Bat Bistro, the brewery we've been following for many years. And uh, we have a really great crew of people here. We're going to stop and introduce everybody because we're out here talking about Suffolk County, Long Island, agriculture, commerce, and other things. So this man I met at a, a Sea Grant event in New York City. Uh, this spring, and we've been waiting to, to come out here and, and meet with you. So, Augie, introduce yourself, and we'll talk more about some of your initiatives. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Augie Rockdeshell. I work in the Suffolk County Department of Economic Development and Planning. Uh, my position is specifically oriented around the agriculture, commercial recreational fishing industries, shellfish aquaculture, um, and I actually grew up as a farmer here in Suffolk County, so that was my, my introduction to this world in this space. Great. Well, it's interesting. I met some New York uh, State ag and market people I've known for years, and they said, you know, there, there was a success of New York State craft beer rollout, and Sea Grant and other initiatives were, are trying to be launched as well. Tell us more about seafood and retail projects that you're doing. Yeah, so uh, what we did recently, and by we I mean Suffolk County, uh, in working with our partners at the Long Island Farm Bureau, Cornell Cooperative Extension, Peconic Land Trust, East End Food Institute, uh, Discover Long Island, Long Island Oyster Growers Association, 
many other partners, is build this Choose LI campaign. Uh, so we're asking, choose yes, Choose LI. It's at chooseli.org is the website. And what we're doing is we're asking local Suffolk County residents to spend a small portion of their food budget on local food, food that's grown locally. Like tithing to the church, but tithing to the, the locals. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's, a, that's a fair I analogy. Like <laughs> uh, what we found is that your average Suffolk County household spends about $176 per week on food. So we're saying, hey, spend 10% of that, so just $17.60 a week, purchasing local food, local beverages. That includes things like beer and wine, but also oysters and fish and seafood, uh, locally grown produce, you know, fruits and vegetables. We're getting into fall now, so you have lots of opportunity to go out there and buy cauliflower and broccoli and Brussels sprouts and kale and collard greens. So there's a lot of opportunities out there. And to make it easier for people, what we did is we mapped every single farm stand in Suffolk County, every single farmer's market, every single brewery, every single cidery, every single distillery, every flower retailer, every fish market, every restaurant that's selling local oysters. So we don't want to give people excuses not to meet their pledge. We're asking for 1760. It's a real, uh, real powerful injection into the local economy. And we're going to pull you right up to the door and show you how you could do that. That's a great idea. I think we're going to talk a lot more about that. So let's introduce the guests that you brought and how you're related to this. What, what are you guys doing out here? Uh, well, he told us to come out here, so we did. Uh, so, no, I'm Anthony Caggiano, co-owner of James Port Farm Brewery, which is a real farm brewery. We grow our own grains, our own barley. We grow our own hops to the extent that we use mostly all our own grains and our own hops. That's great. Your wife's here. Hi, I'm Melissa Caggiano. I'm the co-owner of James Port Farm Brewery. Anthony stole my thunder and took everything away that we do, but uh, we... We have, a, aside from growing our own ingredients on the farm, we also have a tasting room where we have a large tasting room outdoor area and people get to actually come enjoy the farm and be part of it and share it with us. And that's like kind of our, our goal is to have people come out and see where your food came from that, or the ingredients came from that made your beer that you got to enjoy. So. I'll tell you, when, when I think about food and retail and seafood and beers and wines and everything, I, I always think more for I mean, more people in America probably think Montauk, but for me, I think North Fork. So how does define what is Suffolk County? Because there, there's so many industries that you're covering. We've got breweries, we've got wineries, we've got seafood industries. In, uh, Suffolk County, where you so, um, I mean, I'm going to say, because I represent Suffolk County, there's really experiences everywhere scattered throughout. And if you look at the map, it's, it's really exciting because you see, you don't realize how close an opportunity is to you. I think it would be fair to say the North Fork is kind of, if you will, the mecca of kind of a food or culinary experience. Uh, you are going to have access to uh, some really fresh seafood out there. We have a very robust uh, Suffolk County Aquaculture Lease Program in Peconic and Gardner's Bay. Um, and and hopefully one of our other guests, Chuck, can tell, more, tell us more about that later. But these are farmers operating in those waters. And then uh, recently in the town of Southhold, they just passed the new law that will allow those oyster growers to sell directly to consumers at kind of roadside stands. Um, so you have those opportunities on the North Fork. You have them in the South Fork as well. There's great seafood opportunities. Uh, you know, one of a, a tasting room for shellfish. Yeah, it, it is to some extent. I think maybe the farm stand is, is a little bit of a closer analogy because they won't be shucking on site. It's really just picking up a bag of oysters. So it's it's oysters to go, and it's important to make that distinction because uh, the oyster growers have promised as such. <laughs> great. So who's your other guest? So learn to shuck oysters. There's the bottom line. <laughs> Mr. Learn to Shuck Oysters. Yes, yes. What's your name? You can sir? see, I'm Chuck Westfall. I uh, run a 
oyster farm on the Great South Bay with my partner, uh, Sean O'Brien. Uh, our oysters are called Fire Island Blues. The blue is a, a nod to the fact that these are true Blue Point oysters, which are only from the Great South Bay. And I tell many people that have say that they've had a Blue Point, chances are they've never had a Blue Point because we've just resurrected this fishery. And the great thing that we discovered about uh, resurrecting the Blue Point in the Great South Bay is whatever made this the most famous and desirable oyster in the past, whatever did that is still in the water and still doing it. This is some of the best oysters you can find on this planet. That's great. Man. So that's what we're doing. And you're going to be participating in a roadside farm stand or in any other retail initiatives? I probably won't do a, a roadside thing because, uh, you know, I'm in town of Islip. It doesn't really lend itself that uh, to that too much. But, you know, that's mostly out on the North Fork, and I certainly encourage people to go out there because uh, I don't care how you do it or whose oyster you do it with, just get an oyster in your in your belly and I'm happy. Suffolk County has such, such a history of, I mean, I'm reading some of your materials at the Suffolk County government site in terms of fisheries, commercial fishing, and, and shellfish. It's unbelievable. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, let's introduce everybody else. I, I know a couple of the brewers that are here as well. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? I'm Jamie Adams from St. James Brewery. We are a local farm brewery as well. Uh, we do most of our sales out of different farmers markets around Long Island and upstate New York. Uh, and we'll be opening a tasting room in St. James in about a month. That's great, man. We've had you on the show yeah. quite a few times. Yeah, nice so to welcome. see you again. Nice to see you. And, we, and, we're, and we're in a, a new outpost. Paul, tell us. Introduce yourself and tell us about this new spot here. Hi there. Uh, Paul Kensky, Blind Bat Brewery, Centerport, Long Island, New York. I've uh, been brewing for just about 10 years plus, uh, basically selling to bars, restaurants, uh, beer stores, doing farmer's markets for years. Um, haven't had my own space until just a couple of months ago where we opened up uh, what used to be a fish market. is now a little accommodation tap room, bistro, etc. cetera. Uh, we've got a little food component. We use as much local as we can. We're also a farm brewery in the same way that Jamie and St. James is, as opposed to uh, Melissa and Tony, making the commitment to grow using New York State grown ingredients. So like the Hefeweizen you've got in front of you is all New York State wheat and barley and New York State hops. Uh, the blind that, that's, that, that's the, actually the Harborfields Hefeweizen named after the local uh, library and school district. So I like the alliteration, apparently. Blind Bat Brewery, Harborfields Hefeweizen. Yeah. This is the Blind Bat, what's the name of the beer? Harborfields Hefeweizen. So we're actually towards the end of the season on the Hefeweizen. But um, anyway, so um, again, using as much New York State grown ingredients. And then my wife grows some things that I grow with, uh, that I brew with, namely herbs and things. And then we've got friends who grow potatoes and sweet potatoes that I brew more autumn and winter type things uh, with. So You know, Augie, we haven't, uh, it took us a long time to get this show together. And partly because I, I decided to come out here to, to Center Point to, to see you guys. And coming to Paul's tasting room is, is a big part of that because we've been friends for a long time. So yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you but very much. Let's talk much. more about the retail component. So, let, let, so first, uh, you guys at Jamesport, you guys are a farm. Were you a farm first and, and you decided to add the brewery? Tell us about that process. 
So actually, initially, we were not a brewery at all. We were a farm. We've, we've been growers and plant growers and nursery growers. We actually hop, um, transitioned into growing hops for other brewers who were friends of ours who needed New York State-grown hops for their farm brewery license. So we started growing hops about eight years ago. We put in our hop yard. Um, after that, they started asking for New York State-grown barley, so we tried our hand at that as well. And then they all looked at us and said, well, you're on the North Fork on Sound Avenue in the middle of Tourism Central. Why don't you have your own brewery? So we did the research and decided why won't we just take our own ingredients and make our own beer and have a tasting room there. So that's how that kind of happened. In your job, are you encouraging farmers to grow or adapt to their, their retail component? I think one of the things that Long Island does really well, Long Island farmers, that is, is adapts, and I think it's necessary. I mean, this used to be potato country, right? I mean, we used to have 35,000 acres of potatoes alone. Now we're below 3,000. And the reason is, is because they moved into different commodities, different crops, some crops with higher profit margins and so on. Um, as they mentioned, they're in the middle of tourism central. Uh, whether they like it or not, agritourism is becoming a much more important component of, of farming. Um, you know, some farmers are, are not interested in it, and that's fine. They want to do the wholesale vegetable farming that they did growing up. I, you know, I did wholesale vegetable farming, you know, as, when I was a kid. So I understand that, but other farmers are looking at, okay, how do we expand our, or change or modify our business model? What are what are our consumers looking for? What about when you were a kid? So you had some farming background. Yeah, so I grew up farming with my uncle, my uncle on my, my mother's side. Um, we never owned land, which is an important part of the story. Uh, we always rented. So we were bouncing around a lot in parts of central Suffolk, where unfortunately now, and it's not too much later, it's 22 years later, none, none of those farms remain. We were in Nessequag, we were in St. James, we were in Comac, parts of central Suffolk that even recently people don't associate with farming, but we lost a lot of that land. We lost access. Um, but we grew everything. We grew 25 to 35 different crops every year. We sold it to our farm stand. We sold it to other farm stands. Um, but, you know, times change and business models change. And I see, you know, the farm stand, the direct retail is becoming a much larger larger part of the kind of farming experience. Uh, as of the latest 2017 U.S. Census, which just came out in 2019, you know, our, the increase in direct retail sales went up something like 226%. And agritourism went up about like 400%. So we're seeing a, a movement in the different things that we're growing. We're seeing hops farms now in Suffolk County. I never saw, I had never seen a, a hops farm until very recently, honestly. I was like, what are those poles? What is that? I just wanted to add to Augie's point, here, being here on Long Island and in Suffolk County in particular, the economic aspect of the agricultural uh, environment and community, uh, I think, is magnified a lot more than in other agricultural parts of the country. Uh, so we really have to take that into consideration. And one of the ways that we do that uh, as brewers and specifically using local ingredients is when we spend our money buying local raw materials to use in our beer, we're basically keeping that dollar within our own economic environment. Uh, and then another local, uh, the, the farmer, for example, is going to spend that dollar in another local capacity. And it keeps that $1 moving around our uh, uh, small economic environment, which keeps the uh, viability of our our environment uh, a lot stronger than if we are buying stuff from out of state, selling it here, uh, where our or dollars are. To a 
multinational exactly somewhere exactly and i think that you're seeing a lot of that start to uh flourish uh, especially with the growth of the farmers markets and and local farmers really understanding that going directly to the customer uh and also expanding their markets by farmers here that used to just grow tomatoes or potatoes well now they're growing hops right now they're growing barley now that it's taking another direction and they're doing honey things that they were not doing before uh it's opening a lot more doors for them because of the economic pressure that that they're facing here I should have a question for. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, so you're growing barley. What what malt house are you shipping it off to? Uh, well, that's a very good question yeah. that you had asked. Okay. <laughs> so currently there are no malt houses. There's nothing online. on Long Island. I know. I know Brian Zimmerman for years was trying to get one going. Well, trying to do it. Augie here. Oh. Augie here has been helping us. Uh, helping us to change that. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, we've been trying. It's it's Augie's been very helpful in trying to. Uh, work with the regulations because well it's the, not easy no the towns you were talking about your difficulties yeah, yeah, opening yeah, yeah. up the brewery imagine saying well, every, I want to open a malt house right. and they have no idea what well, that the, is the towns and then Suffolk County the wastewater the yep, sewer yep. system so for you guys I know that that's happened with septic systems yep. but for you guys what you're trying to do is you're trying to save your farms and grow your farms and doing things that nobody really understands right well one of the problems with what we're doing is we're growing the grains. We have a grain drying bin, which if you're growing barley and you don't have a grain drying bin, don't grow barley. Um, so we have to then grain out, put it on a super sack, get it on a truck, get it upstate, either Hudson Valley, Albany. They malt it, then I have to truck it back. So all those costs just have to get absorbed by me. So you can't just put in a little kiln or malt facility? Well, we, we hope to possibly do that in the future. Uh, Augie has brought a bunch of... Uh, County officials. We did have a, several meetings. I think we're going to be allowed to do it. DEC, DOH is kind of okay with it. So uh, I don't know. That's awesome. That's great. Can you tell us more about your farming background, the farm that you're on, the history? We're surrounded by potato farms. Our farm was a potato farm. We we rent this property. We we don't own it. We would like to buy it. We can't afford it because it's exorbitantly expensive. Um, the taxes are exorbitantly high. Um, that's another reason we opened the brewery was to, <laughs> to diversify our business model to make enough money to be able to afford to farm in the most expensive farmland in the United States. And now, so tell us about some of the things that you guys, you're recognizing this scenario. You know what's good for the economy. So part of the challenge of government is reacting to changing business environment, right? And we don't, we're not always super nimble about doing it. You know, we're reactive, rarely proactive. So that is a situation we have here. And I have been trying, they're giving me too much credit, you know. It honestly comes down to the fact that they've never seen it before. It wasn't something that they've had to consider. I've, I've sent videos, you know, YouTube videos to people in government agencies, I'm not here to single out my <laughs> colleagues here, but in the DEC, in the Department of Health Services, that this is the process, this is what they want to do. How can we accommodate that? Because again, whether it's farming or whether it's something like growing oysters in off-bottom cages or floating cages, we're seeing all these new things that we never saw before. So now we're saying, okay, how are we going to regulate? How are we going to, uh, to legalize these processes? And it's challenging, it's difficult, it's slow moving sometimes. You know, to bring it back into the seafood space, 
we had a very onerous, and I mean recently, an onerous process for oyster shuckers, for a grower like Chuck, to go to, say, a brewery, a farm brewery, to come to a place like this and just shuck oysters. You know, we were charging them, you know, $95 a pop. There was very cumbersome, um, you know, regulatory requirements. $95 a permit. $95 a permit, and for every time. So Chuck and, and his team from Long Island Oyster Growers Association met with the county exec, and the county exec legitimately said, County Tech Steve Malone said, yes, that's ridiculous, let's fix that. And everyone walked out of the room and they looked at like, oh, is he serious, is this gonna happen? I'm like, I think he is serious. And, and we made it happen quick, we reformed it. It still, it took some, some time again to get the process in place and come up with a new format. But what we did is we created a new annual permit. So we're gonna issue one permit it's, we're going to pilot it out, we're going to do it for free for two years, because again, we want to encourage, we want Chuck and his colleagues to set up at Jamesport and do events. We want them to go to vineyards. We want them to, to go to Jamie's new place and, and do oyster shopping. Because again, it's good for the economy, and it's, it's good for our environment too. Oyster growing is really great for, it cleans up our waters. Mm -hmm. Great. So Chuck, now tell us what you've been doing. Well, I, I'll, I'll say, uh, Augie was, not all that truthful about something. They were very nimble. Uh, the Steve Ballone and Augie and, you know, they, I was stunned. They literally, you know, ran out of the room and uh, got this thing done. Uh, you know, so now, you know, wineries, uh, breweries, uh, pubs, bars can have, uh, you know, a Thursday night chucking event or anything, and we can do that efficiently. Uh, the oyster farmer can make a little money and, uh, hopefully bring in a crowd that, you know, buys more beer and wine and so forth. So that was great. That, they, they were extremely nimble. I just, uh, I, I, I was stunned. So no, thank hats you. off, Augie. <laughs> he, he got it done. Big picture stuff. How does shellfish clean the water, help our environment, make the seas better for everything? Well, you get into some tall weeds there. I mean, it's a, it's a complex thing. But by and large, um, uh, uh, shellfish are filter feeders, and uh, they're, they're the keystone uh, species of any estuary. And we unfortunately have basically stripped them out. So in order for an estuary to uh, restore itself, you have to restore the keystone species. Um, for reasons that get pretty technical and pretty far afield, uh, it's not as easy as just throwing some more seed out in the bay and you know you, you can't just go out there like Johnny Appleseed and make this happen. So oyster farmers are now uh, inserting themselves in that necessary niche that uh, brings this keystone species back into the environment that allows other species to begin to thrive. We, we, also, we also have, particularly in Long Island and Long Island waterways, surface waters, groundwaters, a problem with excess nitrogen. And what oysters can do, and, and other shellfish can do, but oysters do it very well, is remove excess nitrogen. Uh, you know, an oyster can filter about 30 to 50 gallons of water a day. Um, and that's, you know, when that oyster is harvested, it's removed. Uh, when there's excess nitrogen, you know, we have things like harmful algal blooms, we have, which can lead to fish kills. So they're providing an environmental benefit on top of the economic benefit that they're generating. So it's, it's a real exciting, uh, it's, it's not, I, I sometimes call it a new kind of form of growing in Suffolk County, but that's actually not true at all. It's actually been going on forever. This is perhaps a different version of that type of farming, um, but it's exciting. And um, 
I chair as the uh, as I serve as the chair of the Suffolk County Aquaculture Lease Program, and that's like the most fun thing that I do. You know, is issue leases to a bunch of. Uh, for some people, it's a first career. For a lot of other people, it is a second career. It, it is something they do uh, because they read about it and they're really interested in it, and they see the the environmental benefits, which probably you know they're probably doing more of us a service because, like Chuck said, he's not getting rich doing it, but he's having a lot of fun. <laughs> when I first came out to Mosworth, it was 2009. And I went to Karen and Greg Rivera's place where they had the oyster hatchery in Pecani Bay. Who wants to talk to me about the hatchery business, how important that is, you know, some of the steps that have been taken to restore oysters? Hatchery, hatcheries are crucial. Um, you know, I mentioned that, you know, we stripped out the oysters and hatcheries are that small little thing that allows us to complete the cycle. Uh, I like to say, you know, any moron can grow oysters. I do. <laughs> but, but to get a oyster to create the next generation, which creates the next generation, which creates, that's a trick. And it's, it's something we haven't pulled off. The hatcheries fill in that gap for us. So until we can restore via aquaculture, what I'm doing and others are doing, until we can restore the, um, in, the environmental realities so that that small little, just that small little thing of, of, of fertilization, hatchering, and, and um, uh, what's called setting, the hatcheries take care of that for us. But as Augie pointed out, 50 gallons a day, I have over 3.5 million oysters on my plot alone, and I'm just one person out there. So I did the math, and if you multiply 50 times 3.5 million dollars, I wish, I wish, I'm dreaming, <laughs> by 3.5 million oysters, it comes out to a number that has so many zeros, I don't know how to state the number. That's how big the number is. So it's it's you know it's significant, and and oyster farmers are doing a serious environmental lift that's not happening uh, by anybody else that I know of. We have um, 11 public and private shellfish hatcheries in Suffolk County. Uh, and generally, the public hatcheries are doing kind of what we might describe as the wild seeding. You know, they're spreading out. They're going out into their bays and their municipalities or towns, and they're spreading. They're trying to rebuild the natural population. They're trying to rebuild the population for your traditional baymen, right, that would go out in the water and do wild, wild catch harvest. Um, the private hatcheries are really growing to sell to other to sell to other oyster farmers. So uh, so there are kind of different types of hatcheries, but we got 11. Governor Cuomo has decided this is a major priority uh, for, for him. He's pumping real state money, I think the last was another $5 million, uh, into rebuilding natural oyster population. So this isn't wild harvest, So, but it's purely for the, the projects that he's funding, it's purely as an environmental uh, kind of cause or, or I guess, end goal. So the idea is, again, to rebuild the natural set. So they're growing all these spat, all these oysters that they're going to wild seed in closed off areas, so uncertified waters where people can't go and harvest them. And again, the idea is to rebuild that natural population and then help those oysters restore some of the water quality. 
I mean, I, I understand oysters was a big thing for Long Island generations ago, years ago. Uh, so was eels was a big thing, apparently, and, and, and clams. Are clams not as beneficial so, uh, as oysters? So they don't quite remove as much. I don't okay. think they're quite as effective, uh, but... Um, and I know clams not as well as I know oysters, okay. but I do know it is part of the uh, Governor Cuomo's efforts as well. So, some diversity, not they, yeah. yeah. So they are. They are. I know Cornell Cooperative Extension out in uh, Suffolk County. Out their operation out in Southold is one of the uh, one of the the uh, public hatcheries that's doing this. So they are growing uh, hard clams to seed out into waters and also oysters. So, um, but I mean our hard clam. Harvest is down something like 99.9% yeah. from, you know, the 1950s, the 1930s. I mean, they tell me it's before my time, but I've heard it from more than one person that you used to be able to jump from boat to boat to boat, all the boats out there that were simply doing wild, wild harvest, you know, clamming. Yeah. So for, for the average shopper, be they on Long Island or New York City, if they're looking for Long Island seafood, in addition to oysters, are there any other species of fish or shellfish? that they should be looking for? Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> so this is, October is National Seafood Month. Ah. <laughs> and um, one of the things I, I really wanted to talk about today is that there is, and I'm really excited to see all the, the energy excitement that goes into agriculture. Because uh, when I was a kid, it was not cool to be a farmer. There, there wasn't a food network. There weren't celebrity chefs. It was not a sexy occupation. I was not a cool high schooler because I had to work on the, on the farm, you know, after, after school was done. Like, that didn't make me. Um, But for whatever reason uh, that still kind of, uh, I I haven't cracked the reason yet, a lot of that energy hasn't transferred over the seafood, which I think is unfortunate because the United States probably has the best managed fisheries in the entire planet. Like best managed fisheries. So we have our issues as far as, you know, management of, of, you know, different fish species out there. Some can be overfished, some are underfished. It's very difficult to get that balance exactly right, but we do it better than any, any other country in the world. So really when people are looking to purchase seafood, they should rest assured that if they're buying U.S. seafood, they're getting a sustainably managed species. And what we have here in Suffolk County is we still have a robust commercial fishing industry, but we don't have a lot of that excitement behind it for whatever reason. Join Heritage Radio Network on Monday, November 11th for a raucous feast to toast a decade of food radio. Our 10th anniversary Bacchanal is a rare gathering of your favorite chefs, mixologists, storytellers, thought leaders, and culinary masterminds. We'll salute the inductees of the newly minted HRN Hall of Fame, who embody our mission to further equity, sustainability, and deliciousness. Explore the beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe, taste and imbibe to your heart's content, and bid on once-in-a-lifetime experiences and tasty gifts for any budget at our silent auction. Tickets available now at heritageradionetwork.org slash gala. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. 
We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Let's go back to Jamie. So I'd like you to talk about things like not particular regulatory issues, but what it's been like, you know, if the evolution of the state's, you know, craft beer laws and things like that that have applied to you, how you've interacted with your, your county. Uh, sure. For, for us as a brewery at St. James Brewery, we started with our farm license. We're, we're actually dual licensed. We have a regular microbrewery license and we've got a farm license. Uh, we... Uh, to my knowledge, I don't think we've ever brewed on our non-farm brewery license, although we still do keep the license. We do everything through our farm brewery. Uh, when we started this in 2011 is when we got our farm brewery license and our regular brewery license. Um, but we really, we use local ingredients uh, and we promote local because it's something that we believe in. When we first started, we were uh, lucky enough to uh, have different ingredients from local farmers and we just uh, knew right away that it was better, uh, better quality ingredients, Maybe fresher. St. James Brewery, because you've been on our show about... Yeah, so uh, what, what, we, what we really focus on now is we've got our suppliers uh, in, in terms of local ingredients that, that we use uh, down pat, and we started to brew with a, a, a beer that we harvested from a shipwreck right here off of the coast of Long Island uh, uh, last year, and we were on your show about six months ago, eight months ago, Great Jimmy? Yeah, talk about that. Um, so we're really trying to incorporate a lot of what it means to pr promote local ingredients, and uh, we want to do that in a way that really, um, like Augie was saying, that has a little panache to it, where we want to make farming and we want to make that whole uh, genre of supporting local uh, cool. Uh, and we do that really by promoting a lot of our stuff at different markets, farmers markets, and uh, alongside the farmers. So the people get a first-hand experience of the they come and they meet. Tell us about our, our, our friend, the hop farmer. So our, our dear friend, the hop farmer, John Kinzella, he's in uh, Wading River, which is uh, about the North Fork of Long Island. He's been growing hops since 2010, I believe, uh, and he, he sticks with it every year. He's got some of the greatest hops that, that I've been able to use, and we specifically, uh, we, use, we use his hops in our recipes uh, pretty much all the time. Now, Paul, tell us about this location? This location, it took uh, a long time to find a location. I'd been doing the brewery part-time for since 2008, then started looking for a location around 2013, 2014. Uh, won't bore you with the details of places. It didn't work out for various reasons, but uh, like yeah, Dorothy... Paul has many fans who yeah. kept up with him. Yeah, yeah, it's been almost a... Almost yeah, right, opening right. in several locations. Right. That's a challenge as well of Having a you know a, a good business is getting the right 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 and and as Augie says he 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 doesn't have to be the bad guy but someone in uh, wastewater management uh, sewage management zoning uh, all sorts of things there the people they're not looking to be the bad guy but sometimes that's what happens and you sometimes have so this three pieces Alpha, working yeah you found a place yeah. that was it's close to home so like I was well, starting what is to this yeah. place we're in where are we're, we are in a we're in Centerport which is between Huntington and Northport right in the center. There is no actual center to center port, so we're kind of spread out a little bit. Uh, this is a little strip that was built in the late 40s, early 50s. This location years ago was a luncheonette, then it was a bar, then it was empty, and the most recent so tenant was... A, yeah, and then, yeah. The most recent tenant was a fish market, uh, and I used to come and buy my oysters for my oyster stuff from the gentleman who had this store. Plumbing uh, in place. The plumbing was in place. Yeah, we had to do some rebuilding, but we were very fortunate. There wasn't a lot we had to do, so 
uh, having the food component was important to us, uh, us, my, my wife, Regina, and I. Um, oddly enough, my original concept back when I was dreaming of starting a brewery. I was into making crepes at the time. I thought, oh, we've had a little place to make crepes, make beer. And I thought, well, that's stupid to try and take on two different businesses at once. But here I am. So you're making so, so I, No, actually, I'm making smash burgers. I'm making knishes. I'm making Sloppy Joes. I'm making handheld food. Uh, sometimes the beer that I brew. Sometimes I'm in the kitchen. Sometimes we've got our, our front. Yeah. We, we, we came. We took the train to Huntington. Yep. The Long Island Railroad. Yep. We took a short taxi ride. The taxi was waiting for us. We came here. It's, it's, it's what, a 10-minute ride by taxi. Right. And this is a great little strip in a quiet town. But if I lived out here, I'd be here every week. You did a great job. Oh, thank you, thank you. And what's also nice is that there are other breweries here. This is the great thing about, I think Suffolk County, I might be wrong, maybe Augie can correct me, Suffolk County has more breweries than any other county in the state of New York. Not only is that true, we have more breweries than New York City. Ah, um, okay. So I have 33 breweries mapped on the Choose LI website, which yeah. is not to say maybe I haven't missed one. Breweries open all the time. There's a lot opening. All the time. Well, it's a great thing. You can come out to... Suffolk County, and you can hit a number of breweries in one little trip. So if somebody wants to take the train out to Huntington, they can hit uh, Six Harbors in Huntington Village. They can hit uh, Dagen Uber. Yeah, yeah, Dagen Uber, taking Uber. Uh, or Lyft if you want to, you know, it's much stock you want. And, um, and then there's also, of course, Sand City in Northport, Harborhead in uh, Northport. Um, and then if you just kind of go along the whole North uh, of the coast of Long Island or in the middle or the south, you can hit, you can start almost anywhere and have a nice little brewery tour, which so is great. You, as part of Choose Long Island, are you going to create brewery tours? a tour of going to the farm stand and a brewery and an oyster place. It, it's funny that you should say that. So really the... We, to. Uh, we do, 100%. So I'll, I'll tell a, a funny story about myself. So uh, two Fridays ago, I took the day off from work and I said, I'm going to take my bike out to... I took the train to Manitouk out in South Hold. said, I'm just going to crisscross the North Fork and ride around. I ended up riding 37 miles on my bike on a day where I wasn't drinking that much. Is, and it, I bi- hit, is it a bicycle or a motorcycle? Bicycle. Okay. Bicycle. Okay. Yeah, I rode 37 miles on my bicycle, and I hit, I hit three breweries, no, three vineyards, two breweries, and two bars on a day that I was mostly riding my bicycle. So you can, <laughs> but you can build experiences. They don't need to be that intense on either the physical or the drinking side, uh, but you can really build exciting days. You could go to the map and say, okay, here's the farm stands, here's two vineyards I want to hit, or here's a vineyard and a brewery. You know, what's great about over by Jamesport, you could hit a, a distillery, a vineyard, in a brewery all within three quarters of a mile of one another, you could walk it. I mean, you could get an Uber out there, whatever, and you could walk to the three or four places. You have the Halleckville Museum is not far from you guys. Uh, Paul Quilly, one more time, tell us the yeah. beer that I'm drinking. Oh, you were drinking. Oh, thank you, thank you. Actually, I gave you some more of the Harbor Fields Hefeweizen. It's 50% New York State wheat, 50% New York State barley, all New York State hops, and then just... And Jamie knows that I advocate for... More local, the better. So right. Thank you, guys. So, and uh, Hudson Valley uh, Malt is uh, Malt House is one of the maltsters that I use as well. It's 1886. They're up um, closer to Rochester, but they've been working with New York State farmers. Uh, other than uh, Melissa and Tony, I don't know if anyone else on Long Island is growing barley or wheat for brewing. There's those ladies who are growing wheat, I think, to uh, to, to bake with the amber, amber waves. waves. The amber waves. So yeah. if you if you're if you're talking about opening up a malting facility, I assume, obviously, to take care of your own malting needs. Are there any other farmers that are starting, that you're starting to talk to who might be growing uh, in, uh, on Long Island for you? Well, 
let's just state one thing. It's really hard to grow barley. It is. So there's so many things that could go wrong at the last minute, and your entire crop is gone. I've heard horror stories from upstate New York. A guy lost 100 acres because there was a storm the day before he was going to combine. And it, it laid the crop down. He couldn't do it. But um, so we're technically allowed to malt on our farm for our own use. However, I don't think we could spend the kind of money for the equipment for our own use. It's so I, I would have to look to sell some of it. Um, but I think, though, some of the farmers would. There are other farmers near us that do grow barley. Uh, it's not a lot. Yeah. Uh, but they have a hard time selling it because... They didn't have the market set up before they started growing some of the barley. Were they growing barley with the, in the mind for brewing or distilling, or was it for feed? Uh... Well, well, malting barley is a specific variety. There's, yes, that's, right, that's what I was wondering. So, yeah. so there are barley growers, but not for the malting right, right, houses. Right. There are, I heard, I've heard of two, right, two guys that did some uh, malting barley growing. Uh, they didn't, didn't understand how to get it to the marketplace, to the breweries, and so it kind of sat in their barn and went bad, which is, is terrible. That's, that's terrible sad. Thing. It's a lot of work. That's a good point, is that every innovation in agriculture, you need to, to think it through fully, because at the end of the day, as a small farmer, you're the one who's risking the most. And so any types of innovations that we're talking about, we really have to have an end game. We have to have a place for all these things to be processed. And sold, and, and that's like I think that's the case. I'm only talking. I don't usually talk as much, but I'm talking as much because we, we do want to kind of try to get to the end game. So with you, with Chuck, let's go back to you with oysters. At what point did you decide that you were going to get into the oyster game, and what were the economic factors that made you feel like you could do it, or was it just a hobby? Well, it's far beyond the hobby. I'll, I'll tell you that. But um, <clears throat> I retired, um, and I don't golf. And uh, I wanted something to do. I tend to be involved in projects. And uh, the ecological issues um, sort of uh, attracted me. Also, I grew up on the Great South Bay. And uh, I wanted to kind of reattach to my roots. And um, uh, I started out at the SPAT program out in South Hold, which is sort of a, uh, what do you call them, a community garden uh, yeah, I think, so that's a, I think that's a fair description. It's like it's a community a, garden opportunity for shellfish For growers. shellfish growers, yeah. So I started doing this, and I'd been in business all my life, and I said, well, hell, I can I can scale this up. you know. And, and I decided to then go out and look for opportunities to um, you know get some bay bottom. And that started me on this, uh, the arduous task of going through the uh, regulatory issues to get a lease and a bay bottom and all the permitting that is required to grow oysters. So we're going really deep, but I want, I'd like to say that some of the uh, precedents that we've believed in and followed has been what the state has done for the craft beer industry. And we're seeing things happening more with aquaculture, and that's how we met at the Sea Grant event. Um, let's, let's, let's start summing this up. Let, let's get some big pictures, and we know that it's been good for nursery people and, and, and you know, people that are renting farms, the opportunity to have a farm brewery. You know that it's created many breweries. I mean, we're over 400 breweries in New York State mm. now. We know that it, and, and the opportunity to have tasting rooms is good for everyone. It's good for your local economy because we're not fighting a big box store anymore. If we can have every small producer being able to sell their product, wow, suddenly we actually have a thriving local retail economy. And I know that, and this is what inspires me about what you're doing. Mm. 
So let's, let's try to sum this up. Tell us the big numbers. Suffolk County is one of the top agricultural counties in New York State as well, which most people would never believe. But we, we were number one a few years back. So we're a very a high producer of agriculture. Agriculture and fishing is such an important driver of our economy. And it's a driver of our tourism economy. It's the reason that people come out to Long Island and is to have seafood-based experiences, to have agricultural-based experiences, to v visit wine country, to go to a brewery. Again, where else can you go to You know, 33 breweries and a population of 2 million people? That's incredible. And they're all different. They're different experiences, which is so exciting. Great. Paul. Yes. When I first met you, you were making beers with local ingredients, including yep. your potato. Potato stout. Potato stout, yep. You also said you may have been making an oyster stout. So tell yes, me yeah. how you use the local ingredients in, in your beers that you're making now. Well, 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 since we're talking oysters, the oyster stout, uh, originally I just would put the oysters into the boil kettle, and those poor little creatures would uh, meet their end there, <laughs> and then we'd drink it. But then, because I do a couple of smoked beers, one day I thought, hey, maybe I'll smoke the oysters. So I smoked. Uh, oysters over alderwood only because, in my mind, I don't know anything about uh, smoking fish, but I know from reading that alderwood is used for smoking salmon. But one, also, <laughs> what's unique about you is yeah. the, the potato stuff. Yes, yeah, yes. How do you make potato stuff? And what does potato mean to this part of my I grew up in Levittown which used to be all potato fields. This, in fact, the street I grew up on was Russet Lane, named after a potato. So I've been, and being half Polish, quarter Irish, quarter German, I like potatoes. <laughs> so because I like beer and because I like potatoes uh, and I like darker beers, I kind of just played around with making a potato stout. The first time I made it, it was terrible. I found out I should probably uh, peel the potatoes. So peel the potatoes, boil the potatoes, and mash the potatoes. One more time, tell us yeah. exactly where we are. We are at the Blind Bat Brewery Bistro and Takeaway because it's 16 seats. We have a lot of neighborhood people who take stuff away. They come in. They get beer and food to go. Uh, we have a seasonal menu. We're in Centerport, Long Island. So, Jamie, same for you. So, once again, some of the particular local things, like we know John Conzella. Uh, for me, it's a very seasonal thing. So when I start the season, around here is strawberries. They're the, they're the biggest draw out here at the beginning of the season. Uh, the strawberries we get from a place called Sajeki Farms, and that's in Calverton. Uh, we go through there. We work with John Kinzella's farm again to get our blueberries. Uh, and then towards the end, we actually work with Sang Lee Farms for a couple of our other ingredients. Uh, and uh, at the end of the year, we use apples. Where other people would have a pumpkin beer uh, this time of year, we make an apple beer to, to celebrate the apple harvest that we get from a place called Richter's Orchards, which is just down the road from here in uh, Northport. Chuck said he has something else from local uh, Yeah, I want to give a, uh, you know, if, uh, oyster farmers, you can't come to our farm, unfortunately. But you can come to a couple of places that support local uh, oyster farmers. And one is in Patchogue. I uh, suggest you go to Catch. They are great. They have a chalkboard. You can get local oysters all over the place. They're up there. Choose some, sample them. The other great place is in Greenport, and that's uh, Little Creek. So on the North Fork, Little, uh, Little Creek in Greenport. It's a great place to sample oysters, local oysters. And in Patchogue, which is a great fun town if anybody's been going. 
so I, I think it's great that uh, we're talking about great places in Long Island and iconic places. And, and Patchogue is going to be one of those iconic places again that Chuck mentioned. Catches there. But we have three breweries in Patchogue alone, all within walking distance. We have, of course, Blue Point Brewery, but also Patchogue Beer Project, which is brand new, and Brickhouse, which is perhaps our oldest brewery remaining in Suffolk County. Brickhouse. Um, Brickhouse was one of the very first yeah, on Long Island. It was them and John Harvard's, and Harvard's isn't with and us Brick, anymore. And Brickhouse, they were... Yes, Absolutely. I think by, yes, and and they they invested in Patchogue when no one wanted to go into Patchogue without question. It was like how parts of Brooklyn used to be nightmarish. That's how Patchogue used to be. So and now it's an amazing place to go and visit. They started. Yeah. That's ground zero. Yep. So many great things happening. We're going to do follow-ups to this. We hope to come out and talk to you guys more about your region and these new retail oyster sucking brewery farm trails that that are seem to be taking off in the state. So, Augie, thanks. It's so so great to meet you, and thanks for inviting me out here to Centerport, Long Island. It's Centerport, New York, but it's Long Island. Long Island, New York. Centerport, Long Island, New York. Yeah. This is so great. Everybody, please say your name and, and your affiliation one more time. We'll go around the room and close it out. Augie Ruckdeshell, Suffolk County Department of Economic Development and Planning. Anthony Caggiano, James Port Farm Brewery. Melissa Caggiano, James Port Farm Brewery. Jamie Adams, St. James Brewery. Paul DeLugo-Kinski, Blind Bat Brewery. Centerport, Long Island, New York. Chuck Westfall, oyster grower, Fire Island Blue Oysters. Thank you, Blind Bat Brewery, for all this great, uh, strong Hefeweizen that we've been drinking out here in Southern Port, Long Island. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks for joining us on the Heritage Radio Network. Our producer, Dylan Hoyer, and other engineers and people will be processing this show. We'll we'll, uh, catch you sometime on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thank you so much. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.